0: Hey everybody, welcome back to a higher future. I am Yubi Simignetti as always from Interview IA. And I'm excited about this conversation today because it's it's a conversation that frankly we need to be having constantly, and companies mm-hmm. need to be having this conversation constantly, especially in response to the last 18 months of not only this change in how we work but also this focus, this racial reckoning, you know, these conversations about underrepresented groups of people who frankly have been uh, taken out of the equality conversation, right? Or haven't been given equal chances at jobs uh, and other things in their life. And, and it, that's at the forefront now of our society. So it's gotta be at the forefront now of our, how we're building our companies. Um, so, first of all, I want to welcome Arthur Woods to the program. Hello, sir. How are you? Hello. Thanks for having me, Yubi. Absolutely. So, how do you usually introduce yourself to people? Sure.
1: So, you know, many different ways, but I, I, I consider myself to be an LGBTQ advocate, um, and a leader working at the intersection of equity, inclusion, and technology and someone who's just very passionate about uh, about bringing diversity, equity, inclusion to life in the workforce every day.
0: I love it. Yeah, and, and it's it's great to see this community of, of people doing this kind of work, right? Like, it's been fun. We've been uh, connecting with this community for the last two years, and it's growing, and it's so powerful. I, I love uh, the commonality that that we share in terms of you know that DEI work and, and connecting it to technology, like how can we actually use technology to make people better, better mm. in what they're doing every day anyway? And there's a way to do that. Um, but first, let, let's talk a little bit about the hiring for diversity, the book. What? How did that come to be? Yeah,
1: well, you know, you we we had been researching it in our company, Matheson. Uh, you know equitable hiring practices and you know as I think very similar to, to your mission, you know. Uh, looking at how we how we think holistically about reducing bias, improving accessibility, building the most inclusive experience for, for every job seeker from all communities and. We found that employers were really struggling with you know what, what does good look like you know where do we start, what is the most urgent essential burning issue and um, and how, most importantly, do we make progress. Um, and measure progress. And, you know, it felt like so many leaders were just kind of wrapping around the axle of those questions. Mm-hmm. And so during the pandemic, you know, we were, we were, you know, finding ourselves sending, you know, Google documents of best, best practices, and we realized, wow, there's, we need to just start to put, put these all in one place, and most importantly, share stories of leaders who are, navig- who are on this journey, navigating work and kind of have these bright spots of things right. that have worked. Let's use these as the artifacts of what's possible. You know, mm-hmm. uh, as you know, no employer has it all figured out, but there are bits and pieces of these bright spots. And, um, and honestly, I, I joke that, you know, we wouldn't have been able to really write this had it not been for the pandemic, because I found myself on nights and weekends, same with my co-author, Susan, you know, Nights and weekends instead of uh, being out uh, in, 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 in the world like we normally all are, uh, you know, at, at a computer writing, you know. Yeah. So it was very much kind of a pandemic project.
0: Yeah, I like that. That's, <laughs> I, I think that's how we built Interview IA, honestly. Um, yeah. And, you know, we launched last July and it, it was sort of the same thing. Like the, the consulting work we had been doing really slowed down and it just presented an opportunity because, yeah, we were all at home. And yeah. it gave us a mission though, to really all focus on together uh, yeah. that, that came to fruition. So now that's, I think, I, I think a lot of that happened and I'm, I'm I'm happy to see, especially in this space, things like hiring for diversity and, and the work that you all are doing, um, you know, just, just sort of like go to the next level, if you will. Yeah. Because right now, so why is it important? Like you know, based on the work, based on you know the, the current state of diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, and those types of initiatives, why is now more important than let's say two years ago?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think the I think is as, as you and I both uh, will will absolutely agree. You know, it's always been important. You know, and I think I think that the the work. It's not as though the events of the last year you know, sort of unearthed a new kind of inequity that just was born. I think, like, as we all know, there's, you know, the, the inequity that's existed in society and the workforce has been there really since day one. I think what the last year, two years did for the movement is made it just a lot more transparent and urgent to people, you know. Mm-hmm. And again, we can probably thank the pandemic for that as well, because the, the nature of us being, in many cases, by ourselves, uh, witnessing these events virtually, you um, and 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 really grappling with the implications of these events, I think put people kind of kind of just tipped the scale in a way that needed to happen. You know, we, we wish had happened 20 years ago, 50 years ago. Um, but but gave leaders this, this desire to really start to act and to say, we we can't wait any longer. You know, we can't just speak about the need, we need to do something about it, you know. Yeah. And I think the 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 combined events, um, and also just the the realization that we have a record number of people leaving, leaving their jobs than we, than we've seen in many years. And um, we also know that, uh, you know, the, the, the the intent that is there right now, either, you know, one of two things can happen. It will remain intent and people will continue to talk about the need and, and lament about what's not being done, or we will see leaders and organizations that have acted on it. And I think to act on it, they need the interviewing AI, they need, they need resources that will help them to go from intent to impact. You know? Yeah. And oh, that wow. was really where we said, let's, let's, let's create a new ecosystem of, of of these great resources and direction, and most importantly, a community of practice that brings this all to life. So the, yeah. the excuse will not be we we didn't have the resources or support or direction. It might just be that you know it took time or we 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 needed capacity and those are things that we expect to happen right sure
0: well and there's also the extreme opposite of that which is we choose not to do anything yeah and that's i mean that's That's a fair point i mean at least you're making the choice i suppose but right at least you're transparent about it right right exactly exactly so well that's interesting so i I like how we're kind of sort of defining this path towards to, to impact if you will so it, it kind of started with the these eye-opening two years of okay these things really truly are more important than we thought mm-hmm. to a lot of people so now we can't ignore it we can't just be performative about it on social media with our black squares or whatever it is right right uh, and 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 so now and now it has to be a priority because that's the demand of not only our employees but even the, the, the talent out there who we want to hire and bring on. So, yeah, so now so there's that drive, right? So then, so what's next though? Cause like sometimes I think a lot of people believe this should live in HR and that's it, mm. but well, it I, work. yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. Please, please. Well, I know, I, I, I think you're right. I think
1: there's a misconception that this body of work lives in HR that's what, where it will stay. And um, you know, hey, we have a diversity challenge, HR, go figure that out for us. That's been the the common posture of this work today. And what we believe, and I know what you all believe, is that um, in order for this work to become sustainable, it has to go from a few people's responsibility to becoming everyone's responsibility. Um, Every single person who touches the hiring process, who potentially interacts with a candidate, who may be the first person a new hire sees when they start their job day one, you know, Or, uh, or potentially is the voice in the room that recognizes the inequity that someone else doesn't see. Those are all, you know, uh, examples of how we collectively have a responsibility, you know, and if we think about, you know, just the footprint of just the HR team alone being responsible for this the 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 collective blind spots that would that would create for an organization if just a small minority of, of the of the organization owned this work. Um, that in many ways is is the very reason that the work hasn't been sustainable. Especially if you think about all that HR is balancing with people returning to work, workforce changes, record record uh, attrition, you know, it's it's just like an impossible task. So we yeah. think in this kind of next, you know, next chapter of this work, um, it becomes uh, the, the responsibility of everyone. And that, that really does um, mean a philosophical shift for organizations, you know, to to empower people and trust people to become part of the solution, to create mechanisms to engage everyone um, and and for H.R. To, to not just be the owner, but be the catalyst.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. I think I, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think we're, we're going to see and this kind of goes back to this, this idea of, of how do we marry this with technology? Mm. Uh, because I, I feel like the industry of DEI at a, as a whole is sort of at a crossroads too right yeah. because it's you can't just bring in someone to train one time and that's it to your point right. this is an absolute like it, it's the only way to create a groundswell I think that's how you'd put it um uh, mm. when we talked about it previously is exactly what you're saying and um, everybody's got to be have a part in that and everybody's got to do something about it in what they're already doing anyway. It's really more of about a behavioral change I think
1: it is And a mindset change right I, I could not agree more and and again that's that's uh, that's something that you know we, we have a, we have a number of, of mindset changes that we have to undergo and one of those is also this notion that um, you know, when we think about diversity, uh, we we look at it in this monolithic way that's only based on attributes of diversity we believe we can see, you know, just as much as we believe we need to shift responsibility so everyone's part of this solution, we need to think about the fact that, you know, diversity needs to be dimensionalized and really understood so we're aware of what success even looks like, you know. We found so many leaders that we were working with, um, you know, sort of set narrow goals based on limited aspects of diversity, and it meant that they were largely excluding entire populations of job seekers. Exactly.
0: Exactly. That, yeah, and that, that's, you know, that's the other thing. I think, you know, the, the focus has been on the wrong things. Mm. You know, it's when you focus in on improving your diversity statistics, you, to your point, you miss out on, on the actionable things that you could be doing that would actually make those statistics look better, become better. Yeah. Uh, but instead, we try to force it and, and, and that just hasn't worked. It's just, it just, you know, we haven't seen really the outcomes that we th- you would think you would after how many years of these initiatives existing within, within uh, the corporate workspace.
1: I agree. I I agree. And, you know, and it's, I think that it is one of those opportunities right now where we can, we can, you know, sort of think about perfection, or we can, you know, think about progress. And, you know, we're in that mode where, you know, in many ways, the the concept of of a perfect strategy or achieving this perfect outcome has, 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 has sort of hindered leaders from just engaging and getting started. And so we're really big fans of also this idea that, if we think about this work being iterative, experimental, um, you know, th- the fact that we're writing a new playbook for what the work will look like and um, there won't be a prescriptive answer that works universally for everyone. Instead, we're on this right. journey to figure it out. You know, that all of a sudden also makes the role of HR something that's much more about being an enabler and being a, you know, again, a, a capacity builder and capability builder and not this, you know, sort of, uh, you know, not not this prescriptive, uh, you know, sort of uh, perfect being that has to be absolutely calculated, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. How do you, so how do you convince, you know, because when we talk about interviewing from our perspective, interviewing doesn't live in HR. It actually lives in the business, right? Like every hiring manager, anybody who's leading a team, they're the ones who have to worry about and conduct that, those interviews to build their teams in order to continue to build a product or deliver a service. Um, yeah, yep. to continue to grow, right? And so how do you when when you talk about you know convincing the the regular employee to, to not necessarily seek out permission from HR, but to yeah. go and start doing build a movement or whatever, like how do you how do you do that? How do you convince someone to to sort of to, to not worry about that permission?
1: Quite yeah. So, so um, it's it's a really really good question, and a lot of that is you know we believe something that has to come from leadership. You know, um, it it will be a, a a a common challenge for a lot of a lot of leaders, a lot of individuals in organizations, to immediately say this isn't my job, this is HR's job, or if I see a need, I'm stepping out of line if I say something. So for leaders to say not only is it not just HR's job, it's everyone's job, and we're inviting you uh, to be part of this and to take ownership. Uh, that's a really empowering move and one that is extremely refreshing for people. So uh, we believe that has to come from leadership. Um, I think it, it, it really is powerful for leaders themselves who are out, outside of HR to talk about, talk for, you know, speak from a position of of, of real experience um, and, and to lead by example. in. Speaking about what they are doing to drive this work forward, you know, um, and and you know that that sends no stronger stronger signal to your team than to say, here's what I personally am trying to do to advance this work, um, even though I don't sit on our talent team. Uh, and here's how we're here are the many channels that we're using to invite you to engage. I'll give you an example. We have a partner, Verizon um, Media, and they created a whole a uh, whole series of Cross-functional committees, like working groups, to embark on their DEI journey across the board, ranging from the way they build their internal talent e- efforts to the way they build their external brands, the way that they even engage customers and design products. And they had um, hundreds of, of team members across all functions and all levels and all, you know, basically, uh, you know, also locations. Um, engaged in this work, and it was a it was a mechanism they created to engage folks across the board, not just on the talent team. And I thought that, that was such a deliberate way to really make this, to intentionally make this everyone's job, and to basically say it's kind of you're kind of sticking out if you're not engaged in in one of these many yeah. different um, you know work work working groups, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, that's that's great. I love that strategy. I think, I think that's. You know, the, the, the future of this and, and you, you spoke about it, you alluded to it, is is sort of and, and we believe this is this more this yeah. kind of this action oriented, everybody needs to be involved path, not just exactly a committee of people. Like it can't it, it won't work. It hasn't worked. So we gotta it, change it. I
1: could not agree more. And I, and I think that, you know, by the way, that, that makes this work so much more sustainable as well. You know, yeah. when we have everyone's involvement, we're getting different viewpoints, we're getting capacity, you know, we're really, it, we're unlocking so much that could be potentially a barrier, you know, um, and again, when we don't have capacity, we're missing perspectives. We just, we see this all become a, a short-term initiative. that's not sustainable and not It's not resourced properly, you know? Yep,
0: absolutely. Well, I think uh, I think we've given the audience a play-by-play of exactly what they need to do. <laughs> to yeah, to, to yeah. do this, so go do it and uh, report back to us because we're very we're very excited. I mean, I, I think it, what you know, just a last question: like, what is the future of work in your from your perspective?
1: Well, I think the future of work is is that work uh, is a place that's empowering and equitable and and uplifting for people. and that the the quintessential you know uh, quintessential vision I think we all have in our heads is that work is a place where everyone feels like they belong. And work is broken for most people. Let's face it. most communities um, experience a great deal of inequity not only in the hiring process but in um in other facets of the workplace especially as as as, you know individuals are pursuing advancing in whatever workplace they're in and so to, to redesign work so that it's empowering accessible and equitable for everyone and that work is a place that brings out the best in everyone and therefore the best in society is is i think what we all kind of dream of i know that's why we are both signed up for this work because we have that theory of change that what we hopefully do here in this sandbox results in impacts that we want to see in society, right? Exactly. Um, and and that's, that's, I think, what we're dreaming of, you know, is that, is that we can influence that, that corner of the world, you know, and, and make, hopefully, it means that equity shows up in, in places outside of work as well, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, if, if there's anything that, that I think most of us have learned is that, that there's no work versus life kind of, right, balance. It's all life and that includes work. And all of this that we do is, it should, it should impact out beyond the walls of, of the uh, the virtual Zoom or the virtual work or the office. I mean, it should. We, should, we shouldn't be just good people at work. I mean, we should be good people. I agree. I agree.
1: That's exactly right. And if we can influence people at work and help make them great, great, yeah. you, know, you know, good people outside of work, then that's amazing. And that's a, that's a good theory of change, I'd say, right?
0: Exactly. I love it. Well, thank you, yeah. Arthur. Uh, amazing conversation, as always. Thank you, Yubi. It's great to see you, my friends. And thanks, thanks so too. much. Absolutely. And thank you all for continuing to tune in. Um, check us out on the website, interviewia.com. And we'll check you later. Thanks, everybody.